There are 10 episodes of this journey, all about my quest to learn about and try various Eastern wellness techniques on the island of Bali, also known as the Island of the Gods. Each episode is available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Jade English, and this is Finding Feel Good. So this time I was really looking forward to heading home with a fresh perspective. I feel like last time I went to Bali, I was really just grasping to be fixed and I kind of had arrived and left scared. But this time, I don't know, I just felt stronger and I felt ready to go home and like like something had shifted really. Before going to Bali this time, I mean, I knew that certain things in my life had affected me when I was younger and I knew that my body image wasn't in a great place but this trip for me really shone a light on some of the things that I don't think I knew consciously were actually affecting me that much deep down. I guess by the end of the trip one of the main takeaways for me was that I really started to appreciate myself a bit more and actually not be as tough on myself and my body and I just feel like Of course, I have days where I'm not madly in love with my body, but I've just come to the realization now that it's the only one I've got. And I just want to put all my effort into feeding it well, exercising and sort of giving it the best opportunity to feel as good as it can. One thing that I have noticed that is so different since going to Bali this time for Fine and Feel Good is when the waves of life come about I've sort of learned to trust them a bit more so when I look back on my life there's so many times where things seem bad at the time but actually those bad turns end up being some of the best things in my life and I guess it's just made me start to ride the waves more and if something appears to be going wrong actually I feel like it's just making space to allow better things to come into my life now. So I guess I'm just trying to learn to appreciate myself and learn that I am human and life isn't always straight. It is up and down. Another thing I've really, really realized from finding feel good is how much we're just not taught how to process our emotions in a Western world. And I think these unconscious thoughts can actually be really, really harmful. I think the breath work for me and, and, well, lots of the other alternative therapies just made me realize that your emotions do get stored somewhere, whether that's in your body or deep down in your mind. It's something that I think that we need to be taught how to manage. One thing I really feel like Bali gave me was a little bit of perspective and it actually made things become a little bit clearer. And I'm not sure if that's because of all the background noise you have in your mind when you're trying to deal with other things that have affected you in life. I feel like a lot of these alternative therapies really sort of gave me more of a clean slate to strip everything back and gain clarity on what I really want out of life not what I've been conditioned to want out of life. So yeah, I feel like this journey has really given me clarity of what I want out of my life. And I'm sure these things will change throughout my life. But right now, I feel like I'm happy with where I'm at. And I wouldn't have embarked on a new career path had it not been for finding feel good. One thing that is for sure is that Bali is such a magical place. And whenever I'm there, 
It feels like all is well in the world. And it's just clear to me that our mind is living in a digital world that is too fast paced for it. And alternative therapies like the ones I experienced in Bali can really help us to dig deep, rest, relax and recharge. Although I had this major clarity whilst I was in Bali, when I first came back to the UK, it all got kind of jumbled up again in my head. And I thought, oh, I can't have those dreams and hopes and wants. They're not realistic because I kind of got back into my box again. But I really, really pushed to not get too much back in the box. And actually, I think I succeeded with this this time. And I am really, really proud of myself for the fact that I've completely changed my life since coming back from Bali and doing Find and Feel Good. One thing that I did really, really want to sort of highlight after experiencing all the alternative therapies though, is that I think they are great as a form of prevention rather than cure. I don't think that alternative therapies are necessarily a standalone cure. And actually, if you are dealing with anxiety or depression and you have got to a boiling point, it's okay to turn to modern medicine and ask for help in periods of your life when you do need that. So although I think these alternative therapies are absolutely amazing, I also don't think anyone should feel any shame or negativity towards the fact that sometimes there could just be a chemical imbalance in your body and sometimes you need a little bit of extra help to get back on that even keel. I do also think if we were taught how to manage emotions in school in a healthy and positive way, for example, if it was normal to go to a women's circle or a breathwork session or dance in our break time, as opposed to later in life going out and drinking and smoking and and turning to drugs, I think we'd have such a healthier and happier society that didn't necessarily have to rely on the healthcare system so much. So I feel like if we can sort of get these alternative therapies brought into school at a young age, then we're not going to have to be relying on our government so much, which can only be a benefit for everybody involved. Another thing I actually noticed whilst I was in Bali, which I find quite funny, is that it's actually offensive to ask people's job title. So whenever you're in the UK, I feel like the general questions people ask is, hello, where are you from? What do you do? Whereas in Bali, people ask, what's your hobbies? What are your morals? What are your values? What do you believe? And it's actually a little bit offensive to ask someone what they do because in some sort of way, it's trying to give them a way of how to place you. Like if you're a lawyer, should I treat you a certain way opposed to if you are stacking shelves or something? And I really like that because it's not a about climbing that ladder. It's basically about being who you are before society told you who you should be. And I have to admit, whilst you're in Bali as well, the people just rub off on you. I think they realize how precious and incredible life is. And you can't help but sort of feel that excitement when you're there. And I've really tried to bring that back with me to the UK. So when I'm I'm walking to work in the morning, I'll say, hello, good morning, even if sometimes I don't necessarily feel in the best mood myself. And I think it just liberates you and makes you feel a bit free and really gives you just a different perspective on life. But 
of course, with all of these things, I'm very aware it's very well and good feeling and acting a certain way whilst you're in paradise. But what about when you come home? Like I said, for me in Bali, things seemed so crystal clear. I could see my retreat. I could see everything that I wanted to do. But when I got back, I almost felt like that vision got a little bit blurred. But as the way with the world, a few things happened and I actually came back and thought, right, I am not letting my old ways creep back in. So I came back, I completed a personal trainer qualification I also finished a counseling course and I'm spending the next few years just learning and absorbing everything I can so I can start making my vision come true. Funnily, whilst I was in Bali, I actually started F45 and I absolutely loved it. It just made me feel powerful, strong, confident. And when I came back, I went into a gym and I was like, oh, hi, how do you become an instructor? Like genuinely just out of curiosity, I wasn't asking for a job, but one thing led to another and I'm now an F45 instructor. So I moved to London and that's now a part of my everyday life. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, that mental and physical health is so important and so intertwined. I've definitely noticed I went on holiday not so long ago and I didn't exercise for a week and and I felt anxious and I haven't felt anxious in a really long time. And then I, I did some more exercise today and I feel great and suddenly my anxiety's gone. So it's all very well and good doing all the mental stuff. But I also think to have a healthy mind, you've also got to have a healthy body. Another thing that I'm actually really, really surprised about is I thought that I needed to slow down I thought in order to have a more balanced and fulfilled life, slowing down was what I needed to do. But actually, I am going to say I don't think that's necessarily true. I actually think it's more about using your energy wisely. So if you're busy living a life without purpose or the wrong purpose, you can feel like you're not aligned. And that's certainly how I felt. Like I was exerting so much energy, but it was into the wrong thing. It wasn't helping people. It wasn't making me feel good either. Whereas now I'm busier than ever. I'm like here, there and everywhere and training clients and working on the podcast and and just doing lots of amazing things. But this time, because it's all aligned with what I want to do, it's like I've got this extra energy from, from nowhere, whereas before when I thought I needed to slow down, it wasn't that. I think it's just trying to redirect your energy and, and work towards a vision in mind. And hey, life's too short not to live hard, love hard, and dance like nobody's watching, or they are, and you just don't give a shit. So let's take a little look at the eight different experiences that I've had over Finding Feel Good. Let it out. You have an opportunity to just see how your body wants to dance before this being. Ooh, let that saucy, juicy, alive, radiant, everything of your feminine. See how she wants to express. Somebody come lie beside me. My 28-year-old son, who had been killed in a car accident three months beforehand. Then my son puts his arms around me. He said, Papa, Papa, do not be angry. It's okay. 
Ian. Yeah. I know this might sound weird, but I'm just doing an interview at the moment with two sex coaches in Bali and they've offered if I want to do it with you. Then there is never anyone who needs to complete you because union within yourself is a dance to which you get to know. It doesn't really matter what happened. It's far more important that we understand what it did to you. Yeah, what protective and adaptive behaviors you have developed in order to cope with that. If everybody practiced box breathing for 15 minutes in the morning and added one second to their count every month, like it would change people's emotional regulation and capacities and our perspective of the world would also change as well. And about 30 seconds into that meditation, when I quietened my mind, cacao hit me and she came in. Dancing isn't a routine. Like we've been doing it since the beginning of time. It's just movement, babe. And it can be as simple as when you're burnt out, just moving your fingers is dancing. It wasn't just all in my head. I'm not weird. The situation we're in is weird. So let's change it. First of all was the Women's Circle, which was just absolutely incredible. I think there was just so much emotion from actually getting into Bali and then finally being sat around in this circle with all these women that I'd never met before. And it just felt like a completely different universe being there, everyone being so open and honest. And to be honest with you, just being around real humans after being in lockdown for so long was just, just crazy. I'll just give you the code of conduct for the women's circle. It's pretty um, pretty open, but when when we have the stick, it's kind of a sacred stick. So yeah, when we have the stick, it's kind of like that intention of listening. And I think that I saw this picture the other day of like an ear together and it forms like a heart space. So it's like when we listen, we're, we're connecting to that heart, to the love. And I think so many of us forget to listen. I know I do. So once we've gone round, we're going to go in a clockwise circle. If you don't feel like sharing, you don't have to. That's completely fine. Um, but I invite you to to share if there's something that wants to come up. And yeah, and we just respect everyone. We're not giving advice or anything like that, unless someone asks for it, of course, if you want advice. But most of the time, we just want to be heard and we really want to be seen and that kind of stuff. Obviously, we we showed you as much as we possibly could in in the time, but there was extra things that were just incredible whilst we were there. So like Briar would go around cleansing with sage in the beginning. And when people were talking, you could, there was quite a few women there that would well up and, and you could just feel all of their emotions whilst you're in the room. And there was so many different stories from the same topic. It made me really have a different perspective and open my mind up to how people really do see things so differently. For me, this was quite a weird one to sort of start on because it really brought up for me the fact that I have struggled with my body image literally since, well, from day dot, from as far back as I can remember. I guess I sort of realized that my internal voice was actually a step parent I used to have and she just was not very nice to me and used to call me fat when I was a kid. And I think from that, I mean, I'm sure it's not just from that. I'm sure it's a lot of different reasons as well, but I had quite a disordered eating really. And I've always been quite obsessed with food and, and restricting myself, but then also binging. 
And I found it really, really helpful actually just to sort of hear myself talk and say it out loud because I think I've really managed to get a hold of it since I've come back. And I think it's been something that I've actually got a hang on over the years, bit by bit. But I think now that I've actually heard myself speak on a podcast saying about the fact that I am not happy with my body, even though I know deep down I'm, I might look good or anything like that, it really is quite a powerful way to sort of look at yourself and and see yourself from a different perspective. And I've also realized, actually, it's not even just about looking good because there's been times where I've, in quotation marks, looked good and I felt rubbish. So I definitely want to use all of my skills and my experiences to help other people feel good about their bodies, not because they want to look good, but genuinely just because they want to feel good, as I think I've really overcome quite a big part of that. I think one of the most amazing things about the women's circles was realizing how much women really do need that connection. I think it's such a tribal thing for us to be sat around and talking with each other. I think it's something that we're really missing from our everyday lives. And I love getting together with my girlfriends and having a chat. And I guess since I've come back, I've just made sure that when I'm having those chats with them, I'm more present. I'm not on my phone. And actually, I don't give advice. I just sit there and listen. And hopefully, that's even more powerful than giving someone a piece of your own perspective. So whether that's getting along to one of Briar's virtual women's circles or having a chat with friends, I think really carving out that time to make time to actually speak with other people is really, really important. So moving on to breathwork. Now, wow, this was honestly one of the best experiences of my life. We'll start by joining our voices together in two ohms. Take a nice full inhale. Relaxing your whole body, relaxing your jaw, commencing to breathe in and out through the mouth now, bringing your mind gently with one pointed focus to your breath. Inhale and exhale through the mouth. We're now going to breathe into the belly, up through the heart, vibrant inhale and a relaxed exhale. Relax your jaw and your mouth now. Good. Keep this softer. Breathing into the belly. Keep softer. That's it. Let it be easy. So relax your throat. Keep finding a soft exhale. That's it. So it's like a gentle sigh. That's it. Keep sighing it out. Good. You got it. Stay with that. Let it be easy. This was definitely the episode that I got so much feedback from from you guys. Everyone was messaging me saying that 
they really went on the journey and they laughed with me, cried with me. And I just wish that you could have been there to actually feel what it was like. It was so intense. The group one was actually two hours worth of breath work and it was so emotional. So, I mean, even though I was there having my experience, there was another 40 odd people in that room who were having their own intense experience and people were shaking, people were crying, people were laughing, some people were snoring, (laughs) but it was nothing I can actually put into words, but you could feel the buildup of the energy and then the build down and It was almost as if all the sounds took you up in waves and then down and round. And I just didn't feel like a human body. I felt like my mind was somewhere completely different. And in a weird way, I felt like I was on something. At the end of it, I think I laughed and joked about the fact that what they put in the tea. So that for me was something I will absolutely never forget. And oh, I just loved it. And then going on to the one-on-one breathwork session was quite emotional, really. I mean, my mum listened to the episode and she said that, you know, she was really sad that I'd sort of felt how she felt when she was pregnant with me because she wouldn't want me to sort of go through that because she remembers how it felt. But I'm glad in some ways that I, I did go through that, even though it was really hard at the time. It felt like I sort of let go of some things that I wasn't actually consciously aware of. Like, of course, I would not ever in a million years imagine that I could feel my mum's emotions whilst I was in her stomach. But clearly, that is what happened. Like, whether it makes sense or not, that is certainly what I I experienced. And I think I just accessed parts of my brain that I don't usually have access to. A little bit of sound with me here again. Oh, stay softer, inhale. Oh, good, inhale. Find your breath, inhale and let go. Is it positive to revisit painful memories? Is that part of the healing journey or should that be left well alone? And if I'm honest with you, I actually am really glad that I did revisit those memories and have that experience with Edward because it was it felt like something in my body changed at that point I can't put it into words but it was it was unbelievable and in the group session the connection between the group was just you felt like you'd really gone through something with everyone One thing that is for sure is that Edward has got something really, really special with his breathwork classes. I know producer Juliet went along to a breathwork session in Bristol the other day and she said it was great, but nothing quite like the tribal feeling that we had when we were at Edward's breathwork sessions. And I've actually got one booked in the next few weeks. So I'll be able to update you and tell you what I think about that one too. So moving on to life coaching. Well, this was a really nice experience because I went round to George and Briar from the Women's Circle's house. I met their dogs, I saw their home and it was just a really lovely experience. 
I don't know what my life's going to look like in six months' time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After this series, it's like, okay, I'm out in the ocean again. Mm. And I know a lot of people do that with having their own businesses, including yourself. You know, you don't necessarily know where your next client's coming from, but to me that just feels really scary. But then I know what the alternative is, you know, get the office job nine to five makes me depressed. So... So it's more important here to look at what is it that you truly desire? Um, Do you desire going off on your own and building your own little empire? Or could you work also in a corporate job and have that freedom and the security? I have to admit, I came away from life coaching not knowing if I'd taken that much away from it really it didn't feel like it was digging quite as deep emotionally as the other experiences but then on reflection I had actually I went into life coaching and I was feeling quite stressed by this point I would say because from the women's circle it had gone really deep was talking about body image and then into the breath work that was again quite it just feels like it kind of goes down into your soul a little bit. And then life coaching was very like up in the mind, thinking very practically. But I would say the life coaching session since coming back to the UK has actually been one of the most helpful out of them all. And that's really because it's given me a little bit of a framework. So I think one thing I've noticed from you guys getting in touch with me is a lot of people say that they feel lost and they they don't really know where they're going. And that's certainly how I have felt in the past. But I feel like Jord asked the right questions and made me not think about things realistically. I just dug down into my core of what I actually want out of life. And I feel like he, he gave me a life script to work to and that vision is so clear in Bali, or it was really clear at this point to me. I don't know if it was because of the breathwork session or the women's circle, but I just feel like I wasn't putting any limits on what I wanted out of my life. But certainly when I, when I got back from Bali and I was in the UK, I started putting those restrictions back on thinking I should think more realistically. I felt so creative and in Bali's inspiring energy when I was there. And I think if I hadn't have listened back to this episode with Jord, where I reminded myself of actually what I do want out of my life, then I might have gone off track again. So I don't know. I, I, for me, this has given me a really good script to work to. Then on to the cacao experience with Lynette. So we couldn't record this experience So I'd love to talk you through what I actually went through during that session. And I think the best way for me to describe this is like a deep, deep meditation. Oh, it's very bitter. So we're going to mix it with some water. But when you make cacao, you're not making hot chocolate. So when you mix it, you make sure that your frame of mind is one of calm. Think nice thoughts to yourself and you really kind of get in a bit of a meditative state when you make it. Water carries vibration as well. So when you serve cacao, you're not serving a drink, you're serving energy. 
this was my least favorite experience if I'm honest this time which I was a bit sad about because I've done cacao experiences before and it was absolutely amazing and I know that producer Juliet got quite a lot out of this experience so I, I still wouldn't knock it but for me this was my least favorite experience because I don't feel like I got as much out of it as I did with the other experiences. I would really like to do another cacao experience. And I do think it is quite good to sort of connect with your heart and make you dig deep for things that your your conscious mind is not necessarily allowing you to think. So I definitely would do a cacao experience again. I just think maybe during that time when I did the cacao experience in Bali, I was not really in a place where I was ready to have a big draining experience because the last three experiences had been so immersive and so intense. Then onto ice work. Now, I really, really loved this experience from beginning to end so what you won't have heard on the episode is me and Alex actually had like a deep chat for about an hour before actually recording the episode and I honestly felt like we could have sat in that field and just talked about the meaning of life and everything for hours and hours and hours really really troubling time and when covid hit last year i went into complete fear i isolated myself for five weeks i you know used bleach to clean the potato chips packets before my kids were allowed to touch it the reason i mentioned that is i really get it how people can really live in fear because i was i was there and it was really a scary place and i needed i, I stopped my practice and um and it it took me a while to go back into into my body and and and, and feel into it. What I, I I really love what we can learn from COVID. And and here is the a few things. First, people people ask, is COVID a good thing or a bad thing? It's not a good thing or it's a bad thing. It is what it is. But in any situation, you can either see the negative in everything or just see the positive. And I love that concept of forced mindfulness. I love that COVID forced us to do the things that we should have done all along, like going within. In real life, it looks like stay at home. And instead of whinging about, and I get that, you know, and I'm, you know, easy to talk about that from my comfortable house in Bali, but, you know, it's the idea of what you fight, you reinforce. So it's instead, and that's not working. We cannot fight against COVID. It's not work. It's never going to work. It never worked. You, we need to have a pro-life, pro-positive approach. And it's always been like that. So saying that, hey, what is the underlying positive message there? Why is it, how is that the most incredible? And if you just have that mindset, regardless on your views on any of it, just the mindset that, hey, what's the underlying positive things? I get to spend more time with my family. I get to actually do the inner work. I actually, you know, and then just that switch gets you to do in the mindset of growth, of expansion. He was great. I feel like producer Juliet and I, had such a connection with him and his assistant, Jess, who was such a lovely girl. 
we were playing games and oh it was just so good and then after the experience which itself was so invigorating and not like any of the other experiences because it was making me feel more alive and sort of going outwards rather than going inwards like all the other experiences it like felt like my brain was supercharged and had so much energy at the end of it that we were like oh let's all go out for dinner afterwards so the four of us went out for dinner we went to this lovely restaurant Alex being the Frenchman he is obviously gave us some lovely wine as well and we just sat around and we we got super deep we played more games and it was I mean even just thinking back and it now makes me feel quite emotional because it was just such a amazing experience from start to finish and I actually am going to get an ice bath put in my garden in Wales when it's all done because I honestly think it could probably change change your life change your health and everything don't get me wrong I absolutely <laughs> I wouldn't say I hated every second of it which was I was about to say but um it's not a pleasant experience but I feel like it's probably very good for you all right so just connect with my eyes let's do some eye gazing for a few seconds <laughs> so I don't feel relaxed <sighs> okay you're gonna take five breaths and on the last inhale, you're going to hold your breath on the inhale and you're going to step in on the exhale all the way down your shoulders under. Oh. Let it out. That's it. Let it out. Make eye contact with me. I'm here. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You know you're going to be okay. So switch to nose breathing now. Hmm. Like the shoulders, and trust that you're gonna be okay. Keep your smile. Then on to sound healing. Now, again, this was just such a great experience from start to finish. So, what you won't have seen is Lynn, Peter, producer Juliet, and I. We had drinks with each other beforehand, and then after the sound healing experience, we actually stayed for ages afterwards and just chatted and, and hung around the pyramids of chi and i just found them so inspiring and they actually made me sort of realize that my vision that i've had with george was possible she glances at joe joe gives a nod she nods okay we're in after they left we did the happy dance <laughs> <laughs> And thought, isn't that amazing? They were buying from Peter and Lynn, not from a not in a business perspective. I love that. And that gave us a lot of heart. And then the next person and the first ones that came, first lady that came in, same thing. They're all buying from the heart. They weren't looking at a uh, prospectus or anything like that and saying, yeah, this looks like it makes sense. And that's how we got started and moved to Bali. And that was 2013. And what you won't have seen in the episode is producer Juliet actually fell asleep next to me and started snoring. I had to give her a little nudge and be like, oh, you, <laughs> we're recording a podcast. <laughs> I mean, the guy at the beginning did actually say if, if you did fall asleep, which was quite common, he would come over and give you a nudge and sort of turn you over. So I absolutely love this as well. And I definitely think this is one that can really help with day-to-day -day stress. So 
quite often now I'll actually put on a sound bath or a, a, a gong meditation uh, from YouTube or using one of Jasmine Hemsley's. And I just think that they can be really helpful to sort of take your your brain waves to a different space. I even had a little chat to Peter and Lynn about how I could do something similar in Wales and they said that it would be a great idea. So watch this space. Okay, now let's talk about Tantra. Now, there was just so much that went on in this episode that we couldn't actually put everything in, but I'm going to let you in on a few little secrets now from what actually also went on behind closed doors. So first of all, the thing that comes to mind is the Tantra Temple Night. can be as seductive, as inviting as you want to. An inner circle just receiving this dance. Give her your presence. Opening your eyes and seeing this being in front of you, presenting this dance for you. Maybe you offer some sounds or words of encouragement. How can you make her feel even better about herself right now? For the invitation on this next round is that outer circle You're just going to rest your head down, your body into the lap of the being in front of you. Let yourself be held. Just completely melting down. Part of this experience is sitting around in a circle and moving on to the next person, trying out different things. So one is stroking someone's arm, the next is gazing into their eyes. And throughout the whole experience, it keeps getting more and more intense. And you start to become, I'm going to say a little sexually charged. (laughs) The very, very last part of the Tantra Temple Night was you got paired with someone and you had to start stroking each other just very lightly, not, not nothing weird, whatever. And I got paired with this very attractive blonde girl. And by this point, like I'm quite sexually charged. It's, it's all got a bit weird, but it doesn't seem weird because everyone's in the same headspace. Anyway, I'm thinking I'm in this foreign country. It doesn't matter. Like it's getting a bit heated with this girl. We're just stroking each other, not doing anything weird, but it is like getting very charged and it's building up and building up. I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to see this girl again. Like it's not a big deal. Anyway, the music cuts out and that's the end. And I turn to it. She, by the way, this, this girl's like blonde. She looks Scandinavian. I said, Oh, hi, you're right. <laughs> you're okay. What's your name? She's like, I love you're right. Yeah. I'm from Manchester. I'm thinking, Oh my God. I'm absolutely mortified because all of a sudden like the the exoticness disappears and you're back in the room and you think, oh my God, I've just been feeling up some other girl from Manchester and what the hell am I doing? This has all got a little bit bizarre. Turns out we knew people, the same sort of people from back in Manchester as well. So we're still in contact and uh, nothing weird happened, but that was a very hilarious experience that I'll never forget. Producer Juliet seemed to couple off with a German guy and literally they 
I don't even know what happened. It was as if some people you'd go past and there would be no connection with them whatsoever. And other people you'd sort of like instantly, it wouldn't even say it was attracted to them. It was as if you, your energy sort of matched. And her energy seemed to really match with this German guy. And they were like holding hands and acting like a couple by the end of the night. It's all very, very weird. And I'll also never forget on one of the people I had to move around, I had to dance for this guy whilst he just sat there and watched me. And then he had to dance for me. And oh my God, it was probably the most uncomfortable experience of my life because he was like so creepy. He was like, you know, someone you can walk past and they just give you the heebie-jeebies. Well, he was like this times a million. And he started dancing for me and, oh, I was just dying. And, oh, I can even think back onto his face now. And he actually ended up turning up at Ecstatic Dance and that was very traumatic. I tried to get away from him as much as I could. And then one last weird thing was this couple, the whole way through, were just making... Like, everyone was quite respectful in the whole Temple Tantra night and it, it didn't get... I know it sounds weird, but it didn't get too weird. But this one couple were, like, making sex noises the whole way through, which was just totally not how it was. And then um, everyone was laughing at them throughout the whole thing. It was um, definitely not something I'm ever going to forget very soon. I love that I've managed to do the sex coaching session with Ian over the phone. I think he was slightly scarred from that for a while, but he actually told me that he really enjoyed it and I would love to go to one of the Temple Tantra nights with him and just try out that gazing into each other's eyes and stroking each other. And I think it could be a really great way to sort of reconnect with your partner if you're going through a difficult period or to be honest, even if you're not going through a difficult period, I think it's something that could just make you connect deeper. And I think it's something that everyone could benefit from. And it's definitely something I will be doing again with, with my partner. One thing that's for sure is that sexual energy is unbelievably powerful. And I think in that sort of setting of the Temple Tantra, like I said, things build up. I can imagine things could get quite weird. They didn't in the, in this one and everyone was very respectful, but it's just amazing how people getting in a room and becoming a little bit horny can actually, <laughs> can change the way that people would act in an everyday setting. Then on to the very last experience, ecstatic dance. This was such a journey for me because I got in there and, I mean, the location was absolutely breathtaking. You could feel the wind hitting your face from the sea. It was all open hand. Everyone was like, I mean, they couldn't look more hippie-ish if you tried. When the dancing first started, like I said, I was, I, for the first 15 minutes, honestly, I was like, what the Oh, come on, I get in here. I do not feel comfortable whatsoever. And I feel, oh, oh, it was just such a horrible experience for the first 15 minutes. And then actually, it was one of the best experiences after that. I felt so liberated and so tribal and animalistic.
there was actually a guy who was banging on the drums the whole time and he I swear he had like a loincloth on and nothing else on his top he honestly looked like something from Lord of the Rings and he was like sorry to be crude but he was like swinging his thing back and forth whilst like banging on this drum and there was sweat dripping down his face he had long hair and then there was another guy in front of him who he like had gorgeous dark skin and then pale blue eyes and he was wearing a peacock feather earring in one ear and then he had this tattoo on his back that said status quo and then a big cross through the middle and I will just never remember looking at him looking at this guy flinging his thing around and being like oh my god where am I what am I doing but this is awesome and actually I danced so much more after doing static dance. Now I'm home. And I think it's because rather than dancing to like a routine or feeling like I have to dance in a certain way, now I just sort of feel it with my body and I let go and I, and I don't mind it, which is such a breakthrough to me because before ecstatic dance, I, I, I wouldn't really dance really because I just find it so weird. Found it so weird. And now I, I love it actually. And I honestly can't wait to do it again. And I mean, I do it every time I go out now. Do a little bit of an ecstatic dance, but maybe not in quite the same setting with the same people. And yeah, DJ Sean, what a guy, just an absolute legend. I actually didn't expect anything of him, really. I just thought he was just going to be your normal guy which actually he was normal still but he had so much depth to him and he had done so many amazing things and sort of lived a real life so it was a really nice surprise speaking to him and, and finding all about what he is all about so all in all i would say there are five pillars to what I've sort of experienced of these alternative therapies and moving forward like that is what I want to build my life around so number one I would say nature like a lot of these experiences and alternative therapies aren't actually that complex really they're more just about getting back to your human nature, remembering who you were before you had a phone in your hand and before modern day stresses existed. And I think as nice as it would be to say that we can build them into our our lives very easily, I don't necessarily think we can. I think actually setting real time aside to go and ecstatic dance, to do a breathwork session, to meditate or connect with someone else, whether that's through a women's circle or any other form of, of, of connection. I think just getting back to our human nature is number one and really important. And that leads me on to number two. So connection. Honestly, like I think the world of social media has made us feel more and more connected, but less and less connected it's like we're connected so virtually that we don't actually know how to just be with each other one-on-one -on -one without anything else going on without the noise of your phone in the background or the noise of, of background music it's I just think it's so so important to actually speak to each other and I think you know if we were living in caves and and 
back in our tribes. That's what we'd be doing every day. We'd be connecting with each other. We'd be speaking to one another. So that's something that I will definitely be building into my everyday life more and more because I just think it's so, so important. And then on to number three, and that is fun. I think fun is the most important thing that we need to do if you're not having fun doing what you're doing then what is the point like we do only get one life and I really feel like that was something that I took away from Bali they seem to acknowledge the fact that actually we do have one life and every day is so important and so precious and having fun is just great (laughs) and it's not something that we should be depriving ourselves of it's almost as if the term busy and stressed has been put on a pedestal as if it's it's actually a good thing but I think the main important thing in life is having fun and enjoying it and then on to number four so number four for me I have just realized without it I am a completely different person and that's exercise I know that exercise can be difficult for people and don't get me wrong it's definitely been difficult for me in the past as well and it's not necessarily something you always want to do but we are supposed to be out in the world moving and using our bodies to to exert the energy that we've got from eating food and I think many of our lives have just become so sedentary and it's just not good for your brain it's not good for your well-being and I definitely notice when I stop exercising that changes my whole internal world so that exercise doesn't have to be running if you don't like running it could be dancing dancing as I've discovered is so important it could be playing football it could be going for a walk with your friend whatever it is that makes you feel good just get out and move your body and really connect with the fact that you are a living, breathing, moving human being. And lastly, number five, relaxation. So a lot of these different alternative therapies are about relaxing. So whether that's time out to breathe or reflect or switch off, we're not supposed to be on all the time. If you look at animals, they'll sort of exert their energy and then they'll have some downtime, they'll relax. Whereas with humans, it's like we just keep going and going and going and going. And actually, I think it's so important to just take that time to stop, gather your thoughts and think about what you want out of your life. Thank you so much to every single one of you who has taken the time to listen to Finding Feel Good. It's been such an epic journey from start to finish and I'm so, so grateful to every single person involved. Mainly a massive, massive thank you to Real2Media and Pineapple Audio Production. Without you, this whole series could not have been possible And this whole journey was definitely something I will never, ever forget. And thanks again to all of you for listening. I'll see you next time.